Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I really wanted to educate other people who didn't know, and especially people who are not of the black community who think these things mm-hmm. are real. I wanted to educate them so that they could understand the history. Because I think once you understand the history of it and once you understand the impact that it has, then you are less likely to help perpetuate these stereotypes. Hello, and welcome to season three of the Wannabe Podcast, the podcast that takes you from where you are now to where you want to be in 30 minutes or less. I'm, of course, your host, Imriel. A huge thank you to you if you listened to last week's episode with Gabby Edlin. I was so energized off the back of our chat, and I hope you were too. Today's guest is Elijah Lowell. Elijah used to be a lawyer before he became the PR manager at Google. He's passionate about helping people from underrepresented groups get into creative careers. He's on the board of Creative Access, a platform that helps young people get their start in the creative industries. Elijah has written a book called The Clapback, Your Guide to Calling Out Racist Stereotypes. In today's episode, we talk about stereotypes and the ways we can banish them with education. Elijah shares how to transition into a creative career and why it's important to leave a good impression at work. Let's get into it. Who did you want to be before you became who you are today and why? So there are several iterations of who I wanted to be before I became myself. When I was younger, I was uh, quite short and I had a lot of acne and I was the only sort of guy in my family. I was raised by amazing women and so I would, you know, kind of get teased a lot. And, you know, I remember watching this TV show and it was about the Incredible Hulk and this mild-mannered young man who, you know, whenever he got angry, would turn into the Incredible Hulk. And I always wanted to turn into the Incredible Hulk whenever I was teased and, and got angry. But, you know, as I grew older and taller, I'm, I'm now actually quite tall, um, I kind of settled <laughs> into my own. And yeah, I just kind of wanted a simple, relatively unremarkable life. I, I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to get married and have 2.4 kids and just kind of <laughs> just live that happy life, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, those are such different ways of wanting to be or wanting to live I guess like Bruce Banner being very mild-mannered as you mentioned and then kind of having so much pent-up rage that would then overpower others and himself and then going from wanting to be all of that and taking that rage and being able to express it to then wanting to kind of just live this kind of normal normal life like do you still want to live this normal I guess I expected or average lifestyle is that still your 
what you're aiming for? No, no, not at all. I want to be... Okay, great. (laughs) (laughs) Which is actually quite poignant because it's the title of your podcast. So I want to be, I want to be fantastically (laughs) remarkable. Thank you for the plug. (laughs) And And what does remarkable mean to you now? I mean, it means first and foremost, being the kind of person that my friends and family are proud of, contributing positively to to society i learned of a phrase from um from my friend who is jewish and i literally learned this about an hour ago and apologies to anyone who who is jewish if i mispronounce this it's called tikkun olam which is essentially heal the world and apparently that's a a mandate of judaism and you know, it, I thought it was such a beautiful phrase because if you can leave a positive impact on life, if you could make life better by being in it, if you can leave it in a better state than how you found it, for me, that is kind of, you know, remarkable. And that's something where you can just leave a legacy or you can leave something in this world that people will remember you by. So that's kind of what I mean about being remarkable. So I guess for some background for anyone listening, you wrote the clapback. Is that what you had hoped to do? Is this your legacy? Is this the mark you hope to leave in the world? One of them, certainly, you know, I've always aspired to, to, to write a book. And the fact that it's a book about race, it's an educational book. Um, it's a book that I hope is enjoyable as well as educational. For me, that's mm-hmm. that's really powerful. And yes, it, it's one of the legacies that I really wanted to leave behind. To your point about wanting to heal the world or make a difference being something that a lot of people from marginalized or underrepresented communities strive for. I think for me, it's just helping helping people kind of understand the impact of their actions and the impact of certain policies, the impact of certain governments and the Mm. impact of certain legacies and helping them shape their way in how they think and how they move forward and how they act is very important. And, And someone said this to me, which just made me feel so proud is, you know, someday, if not already, people are going to check out your books from libraries and buy Um, your books in bulk for people to study it could be a book that is recommended by lecturers by school teachers and and that just made me feel immensely proud that would be so great yeah if that's already happening as well (laughs) I hope so that would be the goal I've listened to the book because now I just listen to audiobooks (laughs) in life Um, and uh, yeah it's an incredibly easy listen and I think I blew through that in like a day or two like it was very fascinating um it had me hooked from pretty much start to finish it was revelatory there were some things that you know I knew or understood and certain things that I did not know which I think is great when I read a book and I'm like yes I know this stuff and I feel validated (laughs) there's still (laughs) there's still things for me to understand and like understanding some of the backstories to some of the most common stereotypes whether that be around you know black men being well endowed interracial dating things around food things around immigration just everything I felt like it was very thorough and you could I got a great sense of 
the research and the time you put into putting that together before you even got to writing the book in its final iteration why did that subject matter matter to you what was the point of what instigated this what happened (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, um, well, firstly, thank you so much for the kind words about the book. And you mentioned that you listened to it on audiobook. So I just wanted to give a very quick shout out to Michael Obiara, who narrated the... the he did, yeah. Yeah, and who's a fantastic actor. You guys have very similar voices, actually. So that was very well chosen. <laughs> oh, I mean, it is. It's uncanny. I had, so I had seen him um, on the TV show Luther before, and I never really yeah. thought there was any similarities but then when I actually met him I thought wow we sound pretty similar and he was able to so he had already recorded before he met me so it was weird that yeah that's hilarious yeah and we had very similar upbringings he's Nigerian as well so yeah very very similar upbringings and very similar personalities (laughs) so that was quite odd, but I think it was serendipitous. And uh, yeah, I'm really grateful that it turned out the, the way it did. But to answer your question about why, I had lived a very privileged sort of life. And growing up in London and then living in Nigeria, even though I faced racism in the UK and then when I lived in Nigeria there was a little bit of discrimination because of my accent and my background and whatever I just hadn't really felt uncomfortable in my circumstance because I grew up in Streatham in South London which is um Oops, so did I oh really no way <laughs> well I live and I didn't grow up there but I lived there for four years before I lived where I live now, which is Elephant. Streatham is Streatham's bomb. It's my favorite area. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And and as as you know, and as I'm sure most of your listeners know as well, it's incredibly diverse. Mm, very. Especially for people of color as well. So, you know, I felt comfortable there. You know, when I moved to Nigeria, I was among black people, so I felt comfortable there. So, it you know, it wasn't mm-hmm. until I started traveling to different places in Europe and when I lived in Ireland for a while, that I started to feel discomfort because for the first time in my life, I would walk into restaurants and be the only black person in the restaurant or I would go to places and be the only, not even just black person, a person of color. And so, you know, that was the first time that I was, that I felt a little bit of discomfort. And also the first time that I met a lot of people who didn't grow up with black people in their lives and everything they knew about black people were things that they saw on TV, which, mm-hmm. you know, were gross exaggerations or just pure falsehoods to what black people are like. And so I really wanted to, for myself personally, like understand where a lot of these stereotypes come from. It will come as no surprise to everyone that slavery is the origin of a lot of them. <laughs> Um, yep. <laughs> but also, I really wanted to educate other people who didn't know, and especially people who are not of the black community, who think these things mm-hmm. are real. I wanted to educate them so that they could understand the history. Because I think once you understand the history of it, and once you understand the impact that it has, then you are less likely to help perpetuate these stereotypes. When I said to you, oh, I have questions, one of those was, who was this book written for? And I think you've kind of answered that. It's really 
whilst I definitely took something away and I learned stuff from the book, I definitely got the sense that it was written for other audiences, maybe non-black people of colour and white people, essentially, to read this and understand that some of the things that they hold in their minds probably aren't quite right <laughs> yeah. and need to be corrected. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I got the sense that that was the audience. Was that deliberate? And did you ever, during, I guess, the process of writing or having to explain to people what you're writing or what the book's about, did you get any pushback from people being like, why are you educating people? This is not your job. Or were you like, actually, no, I do want to educate people. This is the, the thing I would like to be like, you know what, guys, there's a book about this. Here it is. And just be like, done with it, drop mic, drop book even. And walk off and be like, I've already written a book about this. I don't need to talk to you about this anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Did you ever face any pushback for the fact that you're essentially educating white people on things that they should be able to Google? And was that a deliberate choice? So it was a deliberate choice. I mean, in terms of the audience for, for this book, I think of it, you know, I think. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Every writer wants everybody to read their books. But, you know, my two main audiences were people of color, particularly in the black community, to just kind of like understand where these things come from and help us kind of clap back. Because for instance, you know, as black people, we know that the reason why we like chicken is not because we're black, but being able to articulate why the stereotype is harmful, how it came from a racist place and why it's still racist is not Mm -hmm. something that we may not be able to do. It certainly wasn't something I was able to do before I started writing this book. So primarily for the black community and then encompassing people of color, because I think some of the stereotypes also apply to people of color who aren't black. And then the other audience, as you correctly identified it, is primarily white people. For them who have not lived through this experience, to be able to understand why using these stereotypes would be racist. And yes, you know, I do talk them through, I do walk them through this because that's kind of how I like to, that's how I like to learn things. And I know it's, it's kind of lazy. One of my favorite writers, especially about black consciousness, 
is Tanahisi Coates and Oh, I love him, yeah. He's amazing, yeah. And you know, he writes so candidly and so brutally and sometimes they seem devoid of hope and, and happiness and Yes. <laughs> exactly. So it, it's kind of hard to read, but he says like it's it's not my job to make things rosy for you. I can only tell you how these things are. It's not my job to walk you through it. And I completely accept that point of view. I don't think it's black people's job to educate white people about racism. But the only two caveats to that is, A, if we don't do it, it is unlikely that they're going to go off and do it out of the goodness of their own hearts. I mean, some people might, but a lot of people won't. Uh, Secondly, it's very hard for you to know exactly what people are going through if you haven't lived that experience and they haven't told you. I guess I want to talk more generally about your Korean background because I know that you you work in PR for Google. Are you still doing that? Mm-hmm. Yep. But you, before that, were in law? Mm-hmm. Yep. So this is like, you mentioned in the book actually that you wanted to change careers because it just wasn't popping for you like it could have been um so you went into PR and you know you got a lot of pushback from your family and things like that but I guess could you just walk me through that kind of transition more generally because I think a lot of people are currently occupying jobs that they don't enjoy or aren't finding the fulfillment from and probably do want to transition to something a little bit more creative, but are worried about either the financial implications or their family giving them pushback because they're quite young. And yeah, there's just like a multitude of reasons why they won't naturally make that jump. But could you walk us through your thought process and what essentially got you to take the plunge and what the benefits were for you? It was easy for me because I went from not earning a lot of money to not earning a lot of money, but making more. And to your point about some people not wanting to leave the jobs they're in because of their financial situations, I completely get that. And I would never be the sort of person to say, you know, follow your dreams irrespective of money because I like money and um, (laughs) money helps you buy things and money keeps you in a certain amount of comfort and happiness. What I will say is for anyone who maybe is looking to change careers but worried about money is very often there are compromises that you could do you know maybe you keep your job but then you go to classes for the new career that you want to in the evenings or you know say you want to be a writer it doesn't mean you have to quit your job to become a writer you can write in the evenings you can do workshops If you work in PR and you want to be a a lawyer, you know, you can do law part-time. That's what I did. I studied part-time and I worked for the rest of the time. So I don't think it's a case of you just have to jump into the deep end. Your dream is never going to go away. So you can swim slowly towards that dream. Whereas if you're the sort of person who is a risk taker and wants to just jump straight in, that's perfectly okay as well. I mean, I definitely sit somewhere on the risk taking side, but have to um, <clears throat> hold it down, <laughs> <laughs> behave sensibly because I have bills. So, but yeah, I think that's really great advice. Thank you so much for sharing that and sharing your experience. Um, how did your colleagues, or and even I guess by extension your employer, take the book? Have they read it? 
Were they supportive? Were they encouraging? How was that? Oh, man, I am so incredibly lucky because I had spoken to my manager about the, the book to just say, look, you know, once the book comes out, I'll be needing to do publicity and da, da, da. And because I'm a spokesperson for the company as well, Mm. you know they're going to be parallels drawn and I'll try as much as possible to separate my work from from this passion but you know there's like reporters know me so it's going to be you know even though I know tech reporters they could still sort of draw these parallels and just everyone at work was so supportive you know um, people in my team came to the book launch they've bought the books they've recommended the books they've recommended me for talks I couldn't have asked for a more supportive team or manager or like employer. And, you know, even to the point where I've been looped into some of our diversity and inclusion initiatives at work as a result mm-hmm. of it. So I'm just really fortunate to, to work at a place that kind of allows, not only just kind of allows that, but actively encourages it. I even got flown by my team in the US. So I got flown over there to work with them and deliver a presentation based on the book to them as well. So that's a really sort of supportive environment to be in. And I mentioned validation like earlier, getting validation by like a huge company such as Google and the support mm. for this book was just amazing and um, I'm just so so grateful for that because I know not every employer would be supportive and it could range from an employer saying oh you just go and do whatever you're doing that's not our problem to an employer going well hold on how does this affect us whereas with Google it wasn't even a question of either it was how can we support you how can we help make this bigger we're so proud of you it's certainly a privilege amazing you're very lucky. Yeah. <laughs> so finally, what is the best advice you've ever received and the worst advice you've ever received? Oh, oh, that's, that's a nice one. Um, so my first day in my job at, at Google, in my current job, I met one of our directors. His name is Anthony House, and he's kind of our director of public policy. So he helps us work with governments and government ministers, etc. And he gave me this amazing piece of advice, which I've then passed on to other people and I, and I try to live my life by. He said, be the type of person that people enjoy working with. And for me, that doesn't necessarily even mean like taking on jobs and being subservient to anyone else. It just means like if you can bring joy to people, if the reputation you have either in your personal life or your professional life is that person is just a joy to be around. (laughs) That person's easy to work with. They don't cause me unnecessary stress. You will just go far. And I have certainly enjoyed lots of benefits of that by virtue of working with people and then never hearing from them again but in six months someone new coming to me and saying oh hey I would love for you to work on this project because you worked with John and John said you were amazing and you know Laura said you were fantastic so that kind of word of mouth is just really really good so that's the that's the best piece of advice that I've 
I've ever received. The worst piece of advice, and I don't think it's the advice itself, but kind of more the context is kind of when people say something like, you know, just leave it to fate or just leave it to chance. And Mm. I'm not overly religious, but I grew up religious. And so I fully appreciate the idea of a higher power having an impact in our lives. I fully appreciate that. However, the whole concept of leaving it to chance or leaving it to fate or to God or or, or to, to anyone or anything else, to me... It didn't really work for me when I when I heard that and when I needed some really good advice. I didn't that didn't really work for me. I think there might be a case to meeting the middle where it's like do your best and leave the rest to chance to fate to God. But I think just yeah. kind of putting your hands up and being like, oh well, you know, something or someone or some force is looking out for me. For me, that doesn't necessarily work and because I'm the type of person who doesn't like to leave things to fate or chance I like to try and impact as much as I can that for me wasn't great advice yeah no I appreciate that all right I think that's everything thank you so much Elijah this was fun as hell for me (laughs) oh thank you I had so much fun too and thank you for saying such nice things about the book I really appreciate it A huge thank you to Elijah for being so candid and open with me about his life and experiences that brought him into writing an incredibly entertaining and educational read. I highly recommend buying this book, The Clapback, which is available in bookshops, Kindle, and of course, on Audible. Just a reminder, I'll be opening a members-only recording studio for podcasters in Peckham. If you're interested, head on over to contentisqueen.org to join the waiting list. For updates on Wannabe, follow Content is Queen on Twitter at Content is QN and Instagram at Content is Queen HQ. If you're enjoying this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends via your Insta stories. We've pulled some amazing quotes from this episode, which you can reshare via Instagram and Twitter. To get extended show notes listing any of the tools and resources we've talked about on this episode, visit wannabepodcast.com. This podcast is proudly a Content is Queen production. It has been lovingly edited and put together by Ellie Clifford. Thank you for listening. And until next time, bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.